When you seek information, you will be misled some of the time. When you don't seek information, you will be misled all of the time. Mainstream media is dominated by the right and the left. The majority in the middle are left without a voice. You've reached the Conservative Hippie Podcast, a common sense look at life, the universe, and everything. Here's your host, Jay Frat, the Conservative Hippie. Yeah, yeah, that's me. Welcome to the show. Thank you for listening. Thank you for finding the Conservative Hippie Podcast. We're trying to build a community. I am not some grifter out here that's going to touch on all the hot-button cultural issues of the day. Go somewhere else for that nonsense. No, we are going to try to seek the most pertinent, the most in, the most... I don't want, what do we say here? I don't want to say secret, the most hidden, the most interesting information of the day, and apply logic and common sense to it from our worldview. Because there are so many people just like me out there. I am not a unique person. There are a ton of people just like me. And so here we are, you found me. Uh, what, what else do I need to say about the Conservative Hippie Podcast? We've got a lot of new listeners coming on board. Do I need to share? Let's see. I'm not a grifter. Um, the only advertising you will see is all of the advertising that um, that I've built into this program. You could call this program content marketing, if you will, because my day job is my business, and that is Smokin' Jays. I am the J in Smokin' Jays, and I've done that for 23 years. I built my business. It uh, raised my family. I've got boys in college. I've got another one in high school, and so blessed that my creation, the platform that I created, has been able to sustain and thrive and support uh, myself and my family. And so any advertising you see associated with the Conservative Hippie Podcast is all my platforms that I've created, whether it's uh, Stoner Horoscopes or Smokin' Jays. But this is my passion project. This is what I am most interested in. It's what I spent the most time on, to be honest, is just taking this information fire hose straight to the face, straight to the face. So many people shy away, shun the information fire hose. I take it to the face for you. I try to apply some common sense. I try to apply logic to it, and I try to dig and dig and dig under the layers. There are so many people out there that dig so much farther than I do, but let's grab their info, let's bring it up to the surface so that we can all take a look at it. That's that's what I'm trying to do. On the last episode, we featured John McGreevy, uh, Dr. Jonathan McGreevy, a.k.a. Ryan Dark White, a.k.a. John Here to Help, a.k.a. the Linwood Whistleblower. Okay, and I made a big deal in the last episode about how he was no longer anonymous. I, I was privy to the Linwood Whistleblower tapes months ago, and I held it back. I wanted to do a show on it. 
I researched it, I looked into it, and at the end of the day, it was like, no, this is just, this could be just some crazy stuff. I mean, Lynn Wood's out there uh, saying some crazy things. We got this crazy guy that Lynn Wood could disavow. It's just an anonymous guy. It was a big deal to me that he was no longer anonymous, that he was a real person like me. I'm Jay Fratt. I'm the conservative hippie. I'm a real person out on this world walking the terrestrial plane. You can look me up. You can shop at my company, Smoking Jays. You can email me. I've easily contacted a real person. So now this Linwood whistleblower has come out and he's a real person, Dr. John McGreevy, and he's running for Congress, I believe. You know what? In all of my research, I still haven't pinned it down if he's running for Congress or Senate. That's my bad. I should have that one pinned down. But what I did do is I wanted to take the time, and I'm not going to—this episode is not about Dr. John McGreevy. That was the last episode. But what I want to tell you is that I dove deep into a lot of threads of information, and what, what I was doing— was I was trying to discredit Dr. John McGreevy. I was trying to find corroborating evidence, right? It's the same thing. You're trying to discredit someone. You're also trying to find corroborating evidence to prop them up, right? You don't, you don't go into uh, uh, information seeking trying to find something to prove a case. You, you go into it just trying to find accurate, factual information and then you apply that, whether it's discrediting, whether it's, uh, you know, kind of uh, tangential and, and doesn't really matter, or if it's corroborating. So I found a couple threads of information that I found interesting. Um, John here to help on Twitter, uh, a.k.a. Dr. John McGreevy, a.k.a. Ryan Darkwhite, a.k.a. Linwood Whistleblower, he retweeted somebody that I thought was fascinating, and I thought, you know what? I'm going to look into this guy. It's this guy named Holmseth, okay? And he's been investigating child abductions for a decade, and I fell into this, whew, I fell into this wormhole. I do that for you. I do it for myself as well. I find it very interesting. But he was not very credible. I found a lot of things that this Tim Timothy Holmseth, um, he had a lot of patterns that I noticed that diminished his credibility. Patterns where uh, years previous he, he uh, would complain to authorities that he was being targeted, uh, targeted and harassed by the government. And then several years later, in a whole separate case with a whole separate set of individuals, there he was once again claiming targeted harassment by government deep state individuals. The other thing that I found interesting about this Timothy Holmseth is that John McGreevy retweeted and pointed out as a source of information was that Timothy Holmseth was also saying he had information on Vice President Mike Pence, okay? So this is the angle where I was trying to corroborate some of John McGreevy's claims. I was trying to find some other source that was saying similar things or had evidence. So Timothy Holmseth claimed, 
there was a very interesting interview in 2017 he did with this woman who no longer has a podcast, but he was on. I, I saw the video. It was very interesting where he was down in Florida, and um, uh, Haley Cummings was a, a young girl who was abducted. Uh, it was right at the same time as the Kaylee, uh, what, wait, let me get this right, uh, Casey Anthony is the mother what was the daughter's name? Kaylee Anthony, I believe. Um, right at the same time that that happened, both in Florida, you know, things that happen in Florida, there, there's a lot of freedom in Florida, and there's a lot of weirdness in Florida. So, you know, we'll, we'll just take Florida at face value. But anyways, so Holmes Seth is saying that he had angles there, and he, he investigated and interviewed people, and he found information that the FBI didn't. He's in Minnesota interv interviewing these people, Next thing you know, he's caught up in a child custody case in Minnesota, which he claims people from Florida entrapped him in, and he's got a lot of evidence, and it's like, wow, I'm digging into this. I'm like in this wormhole. Wow, this really seems interesting. Then if you go back a few years, and I'm sorry, the reason I'm a little bit scattered on this is because in the end, I'll tell you, I'm not going to put my name, put anything, put any credence on this Timothy Holmseth guy, but it's fascinating. So I've got to tell you a little bit about the rabbit hole I went down. Years previous, um, he, he was investigating another case. He's always got these people after him. He says that it's part of a satanic cult, deep state satan satanic cult. He says he knows who killed John Benet Ramsey. So this guy is just popping up in all of these really popular cases that he's supposedly investigating. And I found I found all these websites that are giving uh, credence and support and evidence for this Holmseth guy. Most of the websites I came across were produced by himself or surrogates which was interesting. But in his travels, he came across people that were a part of a satanic cult and then came out of it, and then they became whistleblowers, and then they were harassed by these deep state people and government officials. But there was one, one thread that I found very interesting, and that's a government agent, Hillary Clinton's bodyguard, some guy named Sawyer. And Timothy Holmseth was harassed by this guy Sawyer, and he kept all of the information and he put it out on the internet. It was very interesting. It was very um, factual the way that Timothy Holmseth presented this, and disturbing. And it was could be verified. It was Hillary Clinton's bodyguard. And if if you folks don't know, I know you know we got a lot of new listeners. We got a lot of normies to listen. And, you know, just trust me from digging a few layers underneath the surface, more so than mainstream media. Just think about this, right? All of these people, uh, State Department, Hillary Clinton, uh, diplomats that go overseas, they have attaches. They have people that protect them, okay? There's a lot of people in this in the in the crew, if you will, uh, in their entourage, if you will, that are their own people. And they're capable of other things. They're always looking for jobs outside of what they're doing for these uh, State Department or uh, political actors. All right. Okay. So this Sawyer guy was a Hillary Clinton bodyguard, and, and he's got a lot of information. That was the 
uh, interesting thing, got me to look more. Then all of a sudden, two years after the interview I saw with uh, this woman, with this Timothy Holmseth guy, and he's talking about his floor, the Florida investigation where uh, the, the uh, prosecuting attorney included Holmseth in on all these emails, these interdepartment emails, and he found out all this interesting information about Haley Cummings and Kaylee Casey Anthony, I don't know, Casey Anthony's daughter, the, the one that ended up dead, that case, okay, that they were connected, okay. Then two years later, two years after this interview, I find these posts by Timothy Holmseth, where now he's a part of a JSOC unit, Special Operations Command, and he's a part of the Pentagon pedophile task force. And at first I was like, holy cow, if you, if you were watching my Twitter feed at the time, it was like, oh my gosh, holy cow, in live time. I, I mean, I'm, this guy, this is amazing. It's real. Q is real. Everything's real. Holy shit. We got a guy who's actually a part of the Pentagon pedophile task force. Then after my excitement wore down, because, you know, he had a lot of this factual information and he's got very interesting stories. Uh, he's got actual whistleblowers that were in a satanic cult. You know, there's a lot of interesting information. I say to myself, wait a minute, that sounds a little strange. Pentagon pedophile task force. That, 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 a, that doesn't sound very official. That sounds a little made up. So I have some, I have some sources uh, that, that work. One, one's in Qatar right now, and they are members of the military. Uh, I won't say what, what part of the military they're in, but I reached out and I said, hey guys, I got some really weird questions, okay? Can you please look into this? Is there such a thing as the Pentagon Pedophile Task Force? Well, I got an answer back, and it said, holy shit, if there were a thing, that would be the best operation I could be a part of. Um, and, I, and I was like, okay, uh, no, I'm sorry. I need to ask this question straight. Can you please verify, does this exist, yes or no? And they responded with, it doesn't exist, and if it does, it's, it's more secret than I'm privy to. Okay. So at this point, I've got to kind of drop the Timothy Holmseth that John McGreevy was retweeting and lending credence to his investigations, and Mr. Timothy Holmseth was claiming he had evidence, which I never heard, by the way, never heard against Mike Pence, um, but I did find a lot of uh, the, the things that were not um, corroborating, and I thought looked a little shady, was he had a pattern of saying he was being harassed by government sources. He also had a pattern of saying that he was, that he would produce these memos and send these official documents to our government leaders. Like, like there was a memo he sent to President Trump to warn him about Mike Pence. Okay, and he had them notarized, and I mean, they were official. But at the same time, I mean, any wacko with some crazy idea could do the same thing. So I dropped, dropped Timothy Holmseth. I just wanted to share that with you because, gosh darn it, I spent all that time on that rabbit hole 
There was a lot of twists and turns and ups and downs, and I had to share that with this podcast. Now, I did find corroborating evidence for Ryan Dark White, Miss Dr. John McGreevy, the Linwood whistleblower, at John Here to Help on Twitter. And I would, ver- I would very much encourage you to follow at John Here to Help on Twitter. I mean, what's the harm in information? What I'm trying to get you to do is to dig, get the shovel out, and dig a little bit. You never know what you're gonna be. You never know what you're gonna find. You might go into a rabbit hole of numerous websites created by some guy that claims to be a part of the Pentagon Pedophile Task Force. I'm sorry to laugh. I mean, as as my military friend said, what a dream operation that would be to be a part of, right? Who wouldn't want to, to save children, go after pedophiles? I don't mean to make light of it. And absolutely, Timothy Holmseth could 100% be a legit person uh, on a legit mission. Um, and I don't mean to make light of that. So, But I have to drop that because, again, it, 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 there's no corroboration to anything he says beyond his own sourcing and his own websites, numerous websites, Numerous stories, okay. But there is corroboration. There is corroboration for John here to help. I want to tell you why. The number one thing after my episode, I spoke with a few people about the episode, and I said, you know, what'd you think of it? Um, and and this, this, talking to liberals, talking to people that voted for Joe Biden, I am out there always trying to talk to people that are independents, liberals, conservatives. I am not looking for an echo chamber, and I never want to be a part of an echo chamber myself. Anyways, every single person said, well, I appreciate you're excited that he's a real person, but he could still just be making stuff up. So what if he's a real person he could still just be, quote-unquote, some guy. Okay. Here's where the corroboration happens that I need you to listen to. I appreciate you listening to my excited story that went on for a little, a little too long with Timothy, Timothy Holmseth. Oh, yeah, look him up. Pentagon Pedophile Task Force. Oh, you'll have a good hour of watching interesting videos and listening to things. But... Let's get back to Dr. John McGreevy, because i that's not what this episode's about, but I really need to, to, to put a footnote on the last episode, because I did find corroborating evidence that, that places this guy who's just some guy, he's not some guy. There is evidence out there that says he is who he says he is. So again, I I don't want this to take up the entire episode, so I'm going to need you to do a little digging yourself if if you're not aware of what I'm going to talk about right here. And that is Cheryl Atkinson. Do you know who Cheryl Atkinson is? Cheryl Atkinson is a investigative journalist. She's very good. Um, She worked for CBS about uh, 10 years ago. She blew the lid off the Fast and Furious uh, Obama scandal. If you don't know what that is, my God, you've got a lot of catching up to do. And she was also working on the Benghazi scandal. When she noticed 
I might get the story a little wrong because I'm I'm going off the top of my head, but something happened with a laptop, one of her laptops, and she had the laptop analyzed uh, by a forensic expert with the FBI. And sure enough, on Cheryl Atkinson, a journalist working on these stories, there was FBI spyware on her laptop. So she has been going through the process for about the last eight years, um, seeking justice, trying to figure out who planted the spyware on her laptop. And this spyware was capable of taking over her camera, C files. It was able to, let's just say, full control of her laptop. And she discovered this. She busted them. She found out. Okay, so through her investigations, through seeking justice in this case, she discovered the people that did this. And now she has a lawsuit where she is seeking retribution. Cheryl Thompson Atkinson, plaintiff, versus Rod Rosenstein, Sean Henry, Sean Wesley Bridges, Robert Clark, Ryan White, and unknown named agents 1 through 50 of the Department of Justice in their individual capacities as defendants. So she names Ryan White as a defendant in her case, in her suit seeking justice, with Rod Rosenstein at the top. Now, if you're not following along, again, I, I got to tell you, you got to go back and listen to the previous episode. Um, you know, and, and maybe I need to do a, a full episode where I go through all of the transcripts of the Linwood whistleblower tape that is now John McGreevy, which was then anonymous. But my point here being is that a big part of the whistleblower tapes, the Linwood whistleblower tapes, that is John McGreevy. He is giving direct information of what he says is the quote-unquote dirty tricks squad led by Rod Rosenstein. Okay, it's also got a guy from the Secret Service that went to jail for uh, stealing Bitcoin in the Silk Road uh, investigation. It's got a guy that is now working for CrowdStrike. You know CrowdStrike? DNC server CrowdStrike, where uh, the DNC never gave the servers up to the FBI. They just handed them over to CrowdStrike, and CrowdStrike told the FBI what information they wanted them to know. Okay, so what I'm saying is, is that this could be, you know, this could be bad, right? Oh, well, well, wait a minute, Jay. Uh, she's naming Ryan White as this bad actor uh, planting spyware on her laptop. No. Ryan White has already said that he was controlled, that he was a bad actor, that he was a part of this dirty trick squad. He is now trying to come clean, and he's tried to come clean for years. Okay, they tortured him, according to his story, because he was trying to come clean. Now, yes, I'm going to think with you here. Wait a minute. If they're killing people like Epstein and and now people claim uh, that McAfee was Epstein, right? It's like this meme to be Epstein. Some people would call it uh, Clinton side, you know, <laughs> whatever you want to call it. 
Why did they just torture him and let him live? I don't know. I don't have the answer. I think it's a great question, to be honest with you, because now here he is totally blowing the whistle on lots of things. But the point is that Ryan White was named by Cheryl Atkinson in this lawsuit as being part of this dirty trick squad that Ryan White, a.k.a. Dr. John McGreevy, was saying he had intimate knowledge of. That's placing him where he says he was. Now, as we move forward, because I'm going to drop this subject, I want to get on with the episode. But as we move forward, I will be paying attention to this. Please go to the show notes. What I want you to do is I'm, I'm not trying to steal anybody's information. I am trying to give information. I'm trying to sift through information. I'm trying to help. There are lots of links in my show notes, including if you're not caught up to speed and you're curious, I have included transcripts of the Linwood whistleblower tapes, a.k.a. Dr. John McGreevy giving his sworn testimony, okay? The full transcripts, and they're very interesting. I've only touched on a few things in my podcast. There is stuff in there that I find so interesting about the judge, Emmett Sullivan, that was presiding over the, the, the Michael Flynn case. There was so many bizarre things that happened in the Michael Flynn case where at one point the government actually dropped their case and said we no longer wish to prosecute, where Emmett Sullivan actually continued as a judge, continued the case. It was very bizarre. Well, in those transcripts, Dr. John McGreevy has interesting things to say about Emmett Sullivan, okay? Very graphic things, very interesting things, very the same types of things that maybe Timothy Holmseth with the Pentagon Pedophile Task Force would be very interested in, okay? We've got lots of links in the show notes. There you go. That's the corroborating evidence I found from the last episode. If you haven't listened to it, go listen to that. I basically steal, share a bunch of uh, information from Stu Peters' show uh, that got Dr. John McGreevy on. He is a real person. Uh, I, I do think that that's important. Now we've got corroborating evidence that says he was working within the government. He was a part of this dirty trick squad. We've got Cheryl Atkinson, a very legit um, Peabody, uh, whatever award-nominated journalist, a real person out there doing great work, naming him as a part, as a government agent. Now, what I'm going to tell you before I leave, and I keep saying I'm going to leave, but Cheryl Atkinson is getting some of her information from a whistleblower. What if that whistleblower is John McGreevy? John McGreevy sharing that with Cheryl Atkinson. Cheryl Atkinson then names him in the lawsuit. That's what I'm saying. There's a bit of, of, of a potentiality of some sort of psyop, some sort of deep-level psyop going on where he's inserting himself within this narrative of very real things that happened to Cheryl Atkinson, but now inserting himself. I don't think that's the case. Is it plausible? Yes. Possible? Excuse me. Possible? Yes. Is it plausible? I think that's it's fairly low on the on the plausibility factor. But you're at the Conservative Hippie Podcast. We're trying to keep it all in mind. We're trying to sift through this information fire hose that we're taking to our faces. 
There you go. That's my update after episode 64, uh, which was such a big episode, such an explosive episode, um, something that I was excited about to share. And um, there you go. That's my follow-up. Now let's get let's get to the heart. Let's get to the meat of of this new episode of uh, new things that are going on. This is John Devon, the Foundation. I want to encourage you to spread the love and share the Conservative Hippie Podcast. We are building this community one person at a time. All right, let's get into the meat and potatoes of this particular episode. Sorry, I went a little long. I get a little giddy um, because the the information on the John Here to Help is is so fascinating to me. Um, I love digging into those wormholes, so sorry if I went a little extended in the opening segment of the show. But here we are. I've got something that's going on in live time, and it relates to everything that is influential and significant today. How many times have you heard people talk about Klaus Schwab, the World Economic Forum, the Davos crowd, Event 201, the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation? You might think a lot of people are talking crazy talk sometimes when they use those organizations in sentences, and your eyes might roll back. But I need to keep hammering something home, some real facts, something to share with you, especially now that we have hindsight as far as this COVID-19 pandemic. See, people weren't crazy. A lot of people were dismissed. You go to the mainstream media, you don't hear about a lot of these things. But there was an event before the COVID-19 crisis that literally signaled and practiced and prepared for the COVID-19 crisis. It was sponsored by the World Economic Forum with the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation and John Hopkins Bloomberg School of Public Health. Center for Health Security. It was called Event 201. And this was a significant event because what they were doing, well, let me just quote the website that you can go to, and it's linked in the show. And I quote, Event 201, a high-level pandemic exercise on October 18th, 2019, in New York, New York. The exercise illustrated areas where public and private partnerships will be necessary during the response to a severe pandemic in order to diminish large-scale economic and societal consequences. It was basically their ramp-up, their preview, their preparedness event for when, oh, I don't know, a large-scale aerosol-transmitted uh, uh, pandemic, a disease virus spreads throughout society. Gee, that happened across the world that very month, uh, in the next month, it actually spread. There's conflicting debates on when the exact date 
of COVID-19 release was, but October, November, December 2019, right when this simulation was happening. So now you can go chat with your friends. You can think about um, all of the public-private partnerships um, that helped us through and minimized economic consequences during the COVID-19 crisis. But there's something going on right now that I need to tell you about. And again, it's sponsored and brought to you by the World Economic Forum. It's called Cyber Polygon. The World Economic Forum is now putting on Cyber Polygon 2021, right now, July 9th, 2021. And let me quote their website on what this event is. This year, discussions during the live-streamed conference will center on secure development of ecosystems, with global digitization further accelerating and people, companies, and countries becoming ever more interconnected. Security of every single element of a supply chain is key to ensuring the sustainability of the whole system. During the technical exercise, participants will hone their practical skills in mitigating a targeted supply chain attack on a corporate ecosystem in real time. So they're practicing for a major cyber event and how they can, again, bring public-private partnerships to, to ensure that the cyber that the supply chain is protected. These are the very same people, remember, that sponsored and performed Event 201, okay, right before the pandemic. Now, you might be thinking, oh, these types of events happen all the time. It's right in your face, actually. Let me give you a couple quotes of the head dudes at the World Economic Forum. First, let me share with you a quote by Jeremy Jurgens. He is the managing director of the World Economic Forum. There will be another crisis. Uh, it will be more significant. And, you know, we need to actually start preparing for that now. When we do see this next crisis, it will be faster than what we've seen with COVID. Uh, the exponential growth rate will climb, uh, be much steeper. Uh, the impact will be greater. And as a result, the economic and social uh, implications will be even more significant. So there you go. There's a, there's a happy dude. I mean, he's always, he's always preparing for happy things around the corner. And it's strange how these guys can apparently see around corners. They know exactly what's going to happen, even though things uh, would be told to you are completely random and by chance. That's just amazing. So they are ramping up at the World Economic Forum. They are ramping up preparedness for a major cyber attack. And right now you can see in the news, they're really pumping out there all these ransom attacks that are happening. But what's really disturbing is the significance that they're applying to these cyber attacks and the ramifications and effects of them. They say that these cyber attacks are going to be far more devastating than COVID. And what you need to realize from, 
from the standpoint of, of COVID, if you just go, go to that 50,000-foot view and look down, you've, I'm sure you've come across some news. If you haven't, and all this stuff is shocking and new, you need to start paying more attention. Thank you for finding the Conservative Hippie podcast, but you need to go and dig around uh, on your own on a regular basis. But I'm going to assume you've seen these reports that show the massive transfer of wealth that has happened during COVID from the poor and middle class to that 1%. So right in a time when they are jamming and forcing all kinds of cultural, divisive cultural issues, talking about um, talking about equity within our society. At that very same time, the largest transfer of wealth is going up, not down, not to what every, all this narrative that's saying, oh, we're going to, we're going to think about people's equity of uh, outcome, and we're going to do better for uh, people of color and the poor people of this world. No, not at all. That's not their interest. Control is their interest. Notice what they say with Event 201, public-private partnerships. That is fascism. Now we have now we have our president Joe Biden saying that he's going to send door knockers to pressure people in their homes to get the COVID vaccine. All when it appears the COVID the COVID crisis is pretty much over. Uh quick Quick side note, I've got a neighbor, super normie, liberal, works for the government, uh, does does what he's told, doesn't pay much attention, um, got the vaccine, got his kids the vaccine. We're at a neighborhood party, and, he, and I'm talking to him uh, alone, and he says, you know, Jay, uh, you know, I'm just, I'm upset because I, I did what I was supposed to do. I got the vaccine. Now they're telling me that I still have to wear a mask and, and, and I should still be concerned about these variants. And gosh darn it, no. I, you know, I want to open up. I'm ready to open up, and, and this is just too much. They've, they've been wrong about too many things. Normies are seeing it, but it's too late. The damage has already done, been done. What they were interested in putting in place was the systems, those systems of control. And those are all in place now. And, by the way, as a little tester, they figured out how much they could get away with as far as getting the sheeple of the country and the world to go along with what they say, even if it's completely arbitrary, six feet, completely arbitrary, oh, those masks work, now they don't work, you need a mask, you don't need a mask, hey, you better mask up, double mask. It's... I'm not saying it's a grand conspiracy. What I'm saying is, is when you put all of these pieces together from event to a one, you look at the public-private partnerships, it's very scary. The angle that could be at play here, when you look at the wealth transfer, you look at the small business owners that were destroyed, you look at the control structures that were put in place, you look at how easily people went along with it. As long as they ramped up that printing press at the Fed and gave people money, they were happy not to work, they were happy not to complain, they were happy to completely ignore common sense and be terrified of the COVID 19 virus that was manufactured most likely in a lab, allegedly, possibly, likely. Throw whatever word you want to in there. 
We were we were on top of that. Go back and look at my Spies, Lies, and Greed or some title like that in March of uh, 2020. We were always on top of it. So I'm glad you found us. We're, again, trying to point out what is relevant right now. Let me share with you the voice of Klaus Schwab. This is the founder of the World Economic Forum. This is the head honcho, the big dude. This is the guy that put together Event 201. All right? I want you to listen to him carefully, okay? And I, and when you do, it's okay. Forgive yourself if you think he's a Bond villain from some 80s James Bond movie. It's okay. You can think that. Forgive yourself because he absolutely sounds like that. We all know, but still pay insufficient attention to the frightening scenario of a comprehensive cyber attack which would bring to a complete halt to the power supply, transportation, hospital services, our society as a whole. The COVID-19 crisis would be seen in this respect as a small disturbance in comparison to a major cyber attack. To use the COVID-19 crisis as a timely opportunity to reflect on the lessons the cybersecurity community can draw and improve our preparedness for a potential cyber pandemic. I mean, that's pretty scary. All right there, the people that brought you Event 201, a global, an exercise in how public and private partnerships could respond to a global pandemic in the same month that a global pandemic broke loose on the world from possibly labs that these same types of organizations pay to research gain-of-function viruses. It's all maddening, isn't it? And I'm sorry to put it that way and put it in your face, but there he is right in your face, that same guy that predicted the COVID-19 crisis, now talking about a cyber pandemic so a pandemic resulting from a major cyber event. COVID, he says, and I quote, COVID-19 would be seen as a small disturbance compared to a major cyber event. If that doesn't make you shudder, if that doesn't make you try to pay attention more, if that doesn't make you call a congressman and say, get us the F out, uh, what is the WEF, How, what are you guys doing about this, who, who is this James Bond villain, right? We need to start paying attention. I've got a couple other ideas. Um, it's, it's, I don't want to say it's depressing. It's, um, it's alarming. It's, it's alarming at the rate of information that is coming right now. I've been calling this the summer of disclosure. I've been saying that there are things happening this summer that I believe are um, going to reveal a lot of evil characters, organizations, structures of control that have been in place for decades. And I, I think it's coming to a head. If you... if do you, you know about how when um, 
when an earthquake happens or, you know, a volcano uh, blows up. You know, the animals actually respond to it right beforehand, right? You've seen, you've all seen those little National Geographic um, um, series and, and you've seen it yourself. You know, birds and, and deer, they, they react. Don't you think we have that ability as humans? I, I want to ask yourself, I want you to think for yourself, have you been have you been noticing anything with yourself? Any contemplations uh, of a higher plane? You know, the meaning of life, or or have you been contemplating death, or you know, things of grave significance um, recently? You know, how have you been feeling? I I know there have been times uh, when I you know have to contemplate what I'm going to do with my family. You know, I have to do a little checklist and and think, okay, this this and this. What are we going to do? Where are we at? in the region, um, in the state, in the country, you know, where would we go or how would we respond to these events? Right there. I mean, they're, they're preparing for it. They were preparing for COVID right before COVID hit. Now they're preparing for a major cyber attack. So don't you think you need to prepare for it? Don't you think you need to think about those thoughts? This is all... This this is a very difficult topic. I, I enjoy so much more uh, discussing uh, potential heroes or crazy kooks like Timothy Holmseth, right? I, I appreciate the political angle of John here to help running for office, uh, Dr. Tom McGreevy. I, I like that. I get into that. This stuff that's out of my control, that's beyond my control, that is right in your face, in which so many people have no clue about it, that this is, uh, it's not depressing, it's alarming, and it scares the poop out of me. So let, let me take a break, and I'm going to come back and talk about some possible things um, that we can do um, to prepare ourselves for what these elites have in store for us. Hey, have you ever thought about a vaporizer to consume your dry herb? It's the least damaging way to enjoy your flower. A vaporizer takes 99% of the carcinogens out of the smoking process. And I know the perfect vaporizer just for you. Smoke and Jays developed the perfect vaporizer over years of trial and effort. Click on the link in the show notes. It will take you to the smokeandjays.com perfect vaporizer page and a 15% discount will automatically be applied to your purchase. It's palm-sized for portability, and it has three different temperature settings to customize your vaporization experience. It truly is the perfect vaporizer. All right, and don't forget uh, coupon code HIPPIE, H-I-P-P-I-E, if you want to get your dry herb vaporizer 15% off, shipped right to your home. Just go to smokeandjays.com. Commercial on top of a commercial. Hey, what do you know? So I said before the break that I was going to come back and we are going to talk about things that you could do to prepare. And I don't have anything for you, and I want to be clear about this. There are so many circumstances, 
and potentialities that we what I could say something for somebody and they would you know they they'd be a 23 year old living in an apartment living paycheck to paycheck could look at me and say yeah thanks for the thanks for the tips boomer whereas another person uh, would would have the completely opposite perspective so I'm not going to give you direct tips what I'm going to say is you need to think about it you need to think about where you would go you need to think about if they're predicting right what, what were the what were the things they touched upon they touched upon a pandemic resulting from a major cyber event okay they talked about power outage they talked about supply chain interruptions okay let me be more clear that's food that's water so you need to think about that is there a way that you can secure some food and some water and have that on hand in case you needed to uh, survive for two weeks, three weeks, one month. A lot of people would be hurt greatly if they didn't have anything for a few weeks. Think about, I want you to think about this. Remember in the beginning of the COVID-19 crisis, okay? Do you remember the panic that happened with toilet paper? Do you remember that? It was a bit bizarre. It was a bit of a rumor that went out, and the next thing you know, some people went up and bought all the toilet paper in the grocery store. Well, that resulted then in that panic becoming even more because then the shelves were empty. It's like, it's real. We need to find toilet paper now. And it, in the end, it wasn't that big of a deal. But that's the way people reacted. So if you can be more prepared, the better prepared you are in advance, you don't need to be fighting amongst those people that are going through a panic. So the number one thing I would say is to contemplate and prepare so that if something happens with our power grid or our computer systems, that you won't be in a position of panic. Does that make sense? The second thing that I, that I would bring up that I've been calling for for a while now, and I've been thinking about it in my own life, and that's the connection you have to your neighbors. And when I say neighbors, I mean your pro proximity neighbors, right? Your physical touch, hold, and feel. You know, maybe those jerk-offs you don't like to talk to or look at when you drive by. Well, maybe in 2021, this is a time of reconciliation and maturity, and you start to care for, talk to, and develop relationships with your immediate neighbors. Because in some event where we lose power, where supply chains are interrupted, we might need to lean on our neighbors, and our neighbors might need to lean on us. And it is all about community. So that's the second thing that I would say is that's important is those immediate uh, pro proximate connections and trying to strengthen those. The last thing that I would try to bring up, and I believe possibly the most difficult thing to analyze, is money and financial security. It, it's tough to know what would happen with a significant cyber event, the kind that Klaus Schwab is talking about, where the power grid is interrupted and supply chains are interrupted. So we're talking about shortages in food. We're talking about no power. What, what good is money? What is money worth? 
Sure, you might, I, I could say, you need to have some cash. Keep some cash on hand. But what is that cash worth in that scenario? Just like the people that stash gold away. Well, what are you going to do with that gold when the problem is nothing can be purchased? So I don't have advice, but maybe my advice is, is to say that that last thing that I was talking about, money and financial security, should be last on the list. And preparedness, like, so for example, uh, in this event that we're talking about, that we're trying to imagine, that we don't even need to imagine because Klaus Schwab and the World Economic Forum is telling us it's coming, and they're preparing for it, and the last thing that they prepared for, they sure shit down our throats pretty hard, and they're saying that isn't even going to be the tip of this next thing's iceberg. So I guess what I'm saying now is you don't store your gold coins, you don't stash away some cash for this particular event that maybe the bottles of water are going to be worth more. So maybe you convert a couple hundred bucks into a couple hundred bottles of water and you're a hero or you have something to barter in the future during this event. The other thing I would say, and the last thing, is I'm not a religious man, but I am extremely spiritual. Okay? Some people know exactly where I'm coming from. I don't believe in your G-O-D in your Bible, but I do believe in Jah, Yahweh, life, the universe, and everything, and all the energy that flows through it. Okay? It's pretty much the same thing, but I don't need, I don't need something written by man that's said to be written by God uh, to, to give me any kind of advice or, or hold me down or uh, guide me in any way. And, and I don't, I'm not trying to crap on the Bible. Sorry for to be tangential because it's a great, it's a great instruction manual for life. At least the uh, the Old Testament, um, that Revelation stuff. That's some cuckoo bird stuff right there. Um, but I am extremely spiritual, so you might take time to meditate and think about these situations. Think about mortality. Think about the timeline of the universe and how we are so insignificant. In this world, we are thought to we we are tricked into believing our ego and everything is so important because everything is at the tips of our fingers and we've got all this information on our telephones. But if you take all of that away, we are still just humans, just like we were, just like we will be. You are not special. People used to be more brave than we are now because maybe they valued life a little bit more, but at the same time, they respected life. They knew that life would continue. They weren't so pinned down by their ego that they could be part of a collective consciousness that is humanity and then be more brave in those moments of, of life-altering significance because they could act in a way knowing that humanity would follow behind them and they are a part of that. Are you picking up what I'm laying down here? I'm talking about bravery. I'm talking about doing the right thing. I'm talking about sacrifice. I'm talking about courage. Take time to meditate. Take time to think about the universe. Grasp. Try to think about the concept of 
of infinity. When I, when I think about God, uh, like the biblical God, I think about life, the universe, and everything. When I think about those things that we can never know, I think about the concept of infinity. And that always makes me feel very small and yet connected. So in some ways, we've lost our bravery, and we need to find that once again. Perhaps it can be found in this cyber event that the evil character in the James Bond movie, who's right on your gosh darn television and running the world right now as a communist from Europe, he's telling you it's going to happen, and he sure did predict the last thing really well that changed the country. And now we got this egg in the White House and everybody in government is moving along lockstep and all the corporations are with them. And like fascism isn't a thing. And oh, by the way, those anti-fascists, they sure are fascists as well. Let me ask you a question before I, before I leave because I'm going to go on these damn tangents. I was talking about this with a friend of mine and, and he's got a business partner that brought up on their podcast how concerned he is about the defund the police. And I've been talking about this. I want to say this on my podcast, that I'm very concerned about the defund the police um, movement. And it's not because of what you think, all right? I have never been a big fan of cops. I think we should be good to each other. And we do need police in those events when we, we have people that aren't being good to each other or we need to dispute some sort of property case, okay? And we need, we need someone with a gun and some authority around uh, to make sure everyone holds the, the, the peace. What I'm worried about with the defund the police movement, if you notice where it's happening, it's happening in all these crime-ridden um, cesspools that are controlled by the Democrats. They've been controlled by the Democrats for a long time, and look where they're at. And now they're talking about defunding the police. What do they put in place once they push enough of those police officers out, once they defund those, those precincts, what are they going to replace it with? That's what terrifies me. If you want to talk about Minnesota, think about Sharia law. So now you defund the police. Now you've got your Sharia police going around, right? And, and is that American? What? Wait, who are they working for? Are they working for the church? Are they working for the state? What if I don't believe what they believe and don't accept Sharia law? I know that that's crazy talk. Look into it for yourself. It's what's happening. So let's give another example. Let's say in Portland, Oregon, they just had like 50 members of, of, I don't know if it was the SWAT team, action response team, or just police officers just up and quit. They just quit in protest, right? Who are they going to be replaced by? So if, the, so if they've infiltrated and taken over at the highest levels in the Portland city government, city council, and in the police unions, okay, who are they going to hire? So now... Who are the people that now have badges and guns that are patrolling and governing and enforcing what these communist party elements are laying down within these cities? It's scary to think about. I just wanted to leave you with that. So I guess maybe maybe this is the super happy fun time uh, uh, wormhole episode with the John McGreevy uh, corroboration talk. 
And then it's the super sad, depressing, terrifying time with the World Economic Forum, Klaus Schwab, uh, Event 201, Cyber Polygon, uh, events of the day. This is, this is significant stuff. It's not the stuff they're talking to you on the nightly news, not on Fox, not on CNN, not on MSNBC, not on your old Jimmy Kimmel shows or where you're getting your, your, uh, your news from your comedian Bill Maher uh, on HBO or Showtime, whatever, whatever channel that guy's on. Right? They're not talking about this, but they are doing it. They are performing it. They are organizing. And so the more people that know, the better. That's why you tune into independent media. All right, that's it. Go on, go on the show notes. Click around on a few links. If you are into cryptocurrency, yeah, send me some cryptocurrency. I'm going to put every, all the cryptocurrency I receive, and the addresses are right there. Make sure if you're going to send me Monero, send me Monero to the Monero address. Same with Waves. Same with BTC. Uh, any cryptocurrency I receive will stay in the crypto universe. I will not transfer that into fiat, but it will also go into this show. I will use it and pay people and we will advance this show. I don't know. I really don't care much. I am not a grifter. I own Smoke and Jays. I am the J in Smoke and Jays. So you want to buy a vaporizer from me? Awesome. You are supporting this show. You're supporting my business. This blog, this podcast will never have a Patreon, okay? I'm never going to sell out for clicks or start talking about these uh, culture, hot-button culture issues like uh, you, the avatar that never takes his uh, stocking cap off, Mr. Poole likes to talk about. Get everybody all hot and bothered over cultural issues. Let's talk about it. Not, not going to be this particular show. I want to talk about things that are more significant. I want to talk about things that have an impact. I want to talk about economics. I want to talk about politics. I want to talk about entrepreneurship. And gosh darn it, I've enjoyed this show. I hope it comes off all right. We will see you on the next one. We've got a lot coming up very soon. Summer of Disclosure. Don't forget, you heard that here first. Let's be friends. We're all on this cosmic spaceship together. Subscribe and share the Conservative Hippie Podcast. Visit our sponsors, SmokeAndJays.com. Everything for your smoke and lifestyle. StonerHoroscopes.com. Adora Zen dishes cosmic vibes for the stoner at heart. KickFromTheSpot.com. Soccer is American.